with our focus this morning as we wrap up a, what we call, a, might say a mini-series, just a four-Sunday four series um, looking at Mark chapter 12. If you would, go with me to that passage of Scripture in your Bible, Mark chapter 12. One more time, we're going to read verse number 29 and verse number 30 together and, uh, and look at especially verse number 30 in the fourth area that Jesus himself mentions concerning how we are to love the Lord our God. Now, I will preface this with one statement, and that is this. The challenge to love the Lord thy God is impossible to complete if you don't know him. And knowing of him and knowing him are two different things. Knowing he exists and believing he exists is, is good. But knowing God personally is what ultimately matters. And, uh, and so if, if you don't know God as your heavenly father through knowing Christ as your savior, then this morning, may I say, just to start with, that is the beginning of the need. And uh, we'd be more than happy, if, if that is your need, we'd be more than happy uh, to talk with you. And we'll give that opportunity uh, to respond to that need, if, if that's it for today for you. We'll give that opportunity a little bit later uh, in uh, the, the service this morning. But if you, if you know for sure that you are a child of God by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have that settled, that's not a question for you. You know that your eternity has been settled by God himself um, and by receiving him. Then this morning, we are challenged uh, one last time. I say one last time. I'll say it over and over again on a regular basis. But we are focusing in one last time uh, for this morning on Mark 12 and verse number 30 especially. But let me, let me read verse number 29 and verse number 30 together. And, uh, and then we'll look at this last area that Jesus uh, himself laid out for us. Verse number 29 of Mark 12 says this. And Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. That is where it all begins for a child of God. You know Christ is your Savior, and that's wonderful. You're a child of God through receiving forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the starting point. That is wonderful, but that's not where it ends. That is the need for eternity, but that's where things begin in this life for a child of God. Because from the moment of salvation, it is now a, a commandment that, is, that was given to the children of Israel also follows into the children of God today uh, through salvation. You're a child of God. You now have on your life, like I do and anyone else that, that knows Christ as their Savior, we have on our life a command from holy God himself, 
a command that we are to follow, which is the first and greatest commandment. Because if we miss on this one, if we skip out on number one, it does not matter how much we do and accomplish if we skip out on number one. Number, the idea of trying to accomplish everything else would be futile. Because if I don't love him the way I should love him, a couple of things happen. I'm not going to desire to do more. And also, even if I try, it's going to be completely in the flesh and it's not going to be led by his spirit. So therefore, this first and great commandment is the key to my life today in Christ in trying to seek to please, not because I'm trying to earn anything, but I want to do as a result of what I've been given. And we're going to see that this morning. But the Lord said, Jesus said himself, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. We dealt with that. It's a heart issue. Um, the, the, the heart of the issue is an issue of the heart we talked about. My heart is aligned with him. My heart is in love with him. Though the heart of man can be deceitful above all and desperately wicked, it can, through the Spirit of God, be tuned to focus on a whole different matter of life instead of the flesh. It can be tuned to focus on the leading of the Spirit and the loving of the Lord. But then not only with all my heart, but with all my soul, that is my being, that is, that is the eternal part of me. Listen, everything about who I am, the essence of who I am, not just as an individual, as a human being, but as a child of God, everything about me is to love him because he deserves all the glory, all the praise. He deserves all my love. But then also with all thy mind, that is staying my mind, placing my mind, placing my thoughts on him continually, if my heart's in the right place, and, and, and th that, that being about me, that, that part of me that makes me who I am is all about him, uh, the one who has redeemed me, and then my mind is stayed on him. Boy, he's getting the focus of everything. Then it comes down to the last command, which is what we're looking at, the, I should say the last part of this command, uh, and that is with all thy strength. Strength is what you do. Strength is talking about those things in which the, it, it's the act of my love. It's the doing of this life. And so with all my strength means it's focused on not just the heart, not just the soul, not just the mind, but now he's focusing in on thou shalt love the Lord thy God in your actions. This is talking about the evidence, you might say, of being a child of God. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to pray in a minute, and we're going we're gonna to dig into uh, several passages of Scripture. I'll get you to go with me to, to at least one of them personally. But when we're talking about the strength, the actions, the doing of being a child of God, we know without fail that we're, we're not talking about our actions or doings in order to earn salvation or in order to keep salvation. Bible says that, that, that it, salvation, there is salvation in none other 
It is in, through Jesus Christ. It is not in the works of righteousness which we have done, but by his blood, by his grace, by everything he has done. That is where salvation, that is where forgiveness comes from. If I could earn it, Christ did not need to die on a cross. If I could earn it, it was a waste of his effort. But since I cannot earn it, since there is nothing in me, the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags. Uh, it is so dirty. It is so uh, useless. No matter how much good I do, it still never merits the favor or the forgiveness of God. Therefore, it took one who was truly holy, truly righteous, God in the flesh, Jesus Christ, to die for me. Because I could not do anything to earn forgiveness. By the way, neither can I do enough to keep that forgiveness. It is all of Jesus in salvation. And it is all of Christ through and also the Father in keeping me. I am sealed through the Spirit of God. I am kept by the Word and the power of God. It is not kept by my power. I was not strong enough to gain it. I'm not strong enough to keep it. It's all by him and him alone. So we're not dealing with our works of righteousness, our works in order to earn anything. We're dealing with the working out, as Paul put it, the work, work out your own salvation. The working out, it's not working to salvation, it's working because of salvation. There is an evidence of that which I claim to have inwardly, there should be an evidence that comes outwardly to show that, well, I, yes, I love God, I love God, I love God, well, it's wonderful. Saying it is one thing, proving it is a whole nother matter. And that is what we're dealing with this morning in the, the fourth part of this command, that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy strength. With everything you do, all the actions of your life, all of it should be evidence of the love that you have for the God who has forgiven you. And, uh, and so we're going to look at that this morning in, in three areas that love, my love for him, what it does in my life visibly, I should say what it should do in my life visibly, that shows my love for him because he first loved us. Uh, let's pray and we'll, we'll look at these thoughts. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this morning. We do thank you that you brought uh, the power back. We, you brought things, uh, Lord, back into place that we might be able to focus in on this, this final thought, Lord, with um, a removal of distractions. And I pray that you'd help us as we look at this to realize the importance of our daily walk, our daily life, the strength that you've given in this body to serve and show others that we love you. I pray that you'd help us to see this important truth and, Lord, not only hear it but apply it to not only being hearers only but doers of the word, the doers of the truth. And again, we thank you for this time. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be able to do a work in our hearts in a very meaningful, powerful, Lord, and, and even permanent way that it might change us completely as we seek to follow and please you with our life. We ask it all in Christ's name. Amen and amen. Well, the outward change, um, though instant in its power, is a work of 
that, that God does a progressive work in us. Uh, may I say, when, when you got saved, if you know Christ, your personal Savior, the inward man changed instantly upon the work of God. The spirit was revived within. That which was dead is now made alive by the working of God and the redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. The spirit of God that was absent uh, from an individual, when they receive Christ as their Savior, the Spirit of God then immediately is revived within man, and the inward man becomes a new creature right away. But your outward man, your outward individual, still battles with this flesh. God can see uh, within and know that His Spirit is within. That, by the way, He said He He knows His sheep. He knows those that are his, and he's not going to miss a single one of them. So God's very aware of those who have received Christ as their Savior, those who have received their forgiveness, those who na whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life. God is very aware of every single one that are his. But may I say, man is not really aware. All man has is our word on it. Unless, of course, there is some things that we could show in evidence because though the inward man has been changed instantly by the Spirit of God that's now been revived, the outward man, um, may I say, the flesh is going to fight against that which is godly. The flesh, and, and we mentioned it in Wednesdays, I'm trying not to, to repeat all that, but uh, the Bible said in, in Romans, Paul himself placed by the leading of the Holy Spirit, he wrote to those at Rome, and he, he said that uh, that... The condemnation of sin, that sin was condemned in the flesh. That's why, that's why this mortal fleshly body has to die one day. Because it is under the condemnation of the penalty and judgment of sin. Now, the inward man has been revived through salvation, and my soul is bound for heaven, and, and, and I, I have the Spirit of God now within me, but this fleshly body, it wasn't redeemed. This fleshly body's going to die, and after it dies, and when it's over with, uh, this fleshly body's out of the picture, and God's going to create a new body to, to, that will be in, in agreement with that which has been done on the inside. And that new glorified body will be then merged, the best way I can put it, merged with the soul and the spirit that God has redeemed, and boom, there's going to be a new glorified me. And that which is condemned in this flesh is now over with, and that which has been glorified and recreated as God intended it is now all for him and, and glorified by him. And no more to deal with sin, no more to deal with this sinful flesh, no more to deal with the condemnation that is bound to this flesh. Hallelujah, be completely redeemed and glorified according to how God intended man to be from the very beginning. But that's going to happen one day. Right now, I'm still dealing with the nasty now and now. Right now, I still deal with this flesh. My inward man battles against the outward man. The outward man needs to go ahead and be caged up and put away. But he, he really fights hard. But the Bible says that as a child of God, though the, the, the inward has been changed, um, I need to give the Lord opportunity to work in my heart. Why, why is there still conviction for a child of God? It's not conviction over salvation. It's conviction over the work that God wants to do in making me more like Christ. In this life, I'll never reach the perfection of Christ. 
But that's why one day glorification is coming and it will be taken care of by God himself. But in this life, I can seek to be more and more and more like the one who lives within me. Christ in me needs to be Christ from me. And so there is a work that is to be done outwardly and it is a work that is evident of what has happened inward. First uh, John 5, 2 and 3 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. By the way, the world looks at, at, at what this Bible says are instructions for life and they say that's ridiculous. That's crazy. Uh, that, that's, that's a cult. Following the word of God is not cult. It's being willing, by the way, if I've been redeemed by the one who wrote this book, by, by the one who authored this book, then why would I not want to follow his directions and instructions? If he lives in me, it should be an automatic, I should want to follow him. He has done so much for me. I should want to know what does he have to say. Boy, he, he's now redeemed me for eternity. I have been forgiven for eternity. Boy, I want to know what he has to say for right now. I'm glad eternity is settled, but I got to deal with one day at a time in this life. And may I say, all of us can probably attest to the fact that the days of this life are not always easy. The frustrations of this life are not always simple. Uh, the things we deal with in this life, we don't always have the answers for. But I know one who does. And if I know him personally, then I also should want to and desire to follow him. And that, by the way, should be evidenced in my goings and in my doings. I should love the Lord my God with all my strength, meaning everything I do should point back to the one who's forgiven me. Everything I say should point back to the one. Again, I'm not saying be super spiritual, super perfect. You know, uh, we're, we're a whole bunch of self-righteous individuals. That's how we all live. No, I'm not saying that. You ought to be real. You know, you don't have to be super spiritual 24-7. But our mind should be stayed on him. My heart should be set on him. Uh, everything about me should desire him and therefore everything I do, I should want and desire that it would reflect on him praise, honor, and glory instead of shame, disappointment, and regret. My life should be a reflection of of what has happened to me because of Christ. The outward change is and should be a natural result of salvation because the love of God is a natural thing. For those who have been forgiven much, there should be much thankfulness. The love of God should not be hard for the child of God. Loving him the way he deserves to be loved should be automatic and therefore that love should constrain us that my daily walk in front of men reflects my daily love for the one who's forgiven me. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in 
them. Before you ever receive Christ as your Savior, God before ordained, he already said it as natural. He already, for the child of God, he already said it as his desire for the child of God that before an individual even called on Jesus to forgive them in repentance of their sin and to ask God to be their God and Christ to be their Savior, uh, before a person even does that, God has already before ordained and put it in that this is what should happen. Those that are a child of God should be working unto the good works that befit a child of God. That is exactly how God designed it to be. So when the world says, well, I didn't think a Christian should act like that. Well, get ready, okay? Let's just, be, let's just be blunt and honest with each other. When the world says, now, is it fair that a, the world, world throws everything at you and then you, you fight against, fight against, you, you, you don't respond wrong, you don't respond wrong, and then, then they catch you on one day when you're not quite in the right mindset. And in that one moment, you lose it. And you, you do not speak, you do not act in a way befitting a child of God. And the world says, I thought a Christian acted better than that. Now, let's just be honest, that doesn't feel fair, does it? You forget all the times that I have responded right against all the ridicule and all the attack. And this one time, this one time, I, I'm tired, I'm weary, I had a bad day, and I did not respond right. And now that's going to be your key. See, see, that's why I don't, have, I don't need what you got. Well, what about all the other times? Give me a break, Right? But let's, let, let, let's go ahead and be honest with ourselves. They're not wrong. They don't know really what they're saying. They just want to be accusative. But as a whole, it is scriptural that a child of God is not to act the way the world would act. It is scriptural that a child of God is not to follow the things the world would follow. It is scriptural that a child of God is not to desire the things that, the, that, that a lost sinful world desires. It is scriptural that a child of God should not respond the way a lost sinful world would respond. It is scriptural to say that no matter what happens, the child of God should always reflect the God who saved them. Now, is that easy? No, not at all. Because in order for me to reflect him, I have to decrease myself. In order for me to reflect his light, I have to make sure that anything in my life that would hide the light has been removed. And that's not always easy. Because in this life, we, let's just be honest, we still love ourselves. We, we still want things that make us feel good. We still desire some things. We look at, at what, what the world has and all the, all the things they're able to gain because they don't, they don't give to the Lord. They don't give to the purpose of the Lord. They, they take all that stuff and they hoard it under themselves and they have all this stuff and they have all these things and they don't feel bad about it whatsoever. Me, 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 me. That is their, um, you know, they, they sing the, the do, re, mis. They get stuck on the mis. Do, re, me, 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 me. That, that's, the way, that's the way they do it, all right? But you listen to the world and you say, man, it doesn't bother them at all. That's because there's nothing inside. If they're lost, there's nothing inside to bother them about it. But the child of God is not to be like the world. The child of God is not to respond like the world. It is just truth. 
So how do we have the ability to serve the Lord and love him with all my strength? Well, we know that the strength to do all of it is not within this flesh. It must be within that which now contains in me. That which now is of God. Uh, The Bible does say uh, that I can do all things through Christ. Uh, Some people think I can do all things through YouTube. You can learn a lot. I learn a lot of stuff on YouTube. You know, I, I, I've, watched, I've watched more YouTube videos on how-to uh, than, than anybody else that I can think of. I, I spend hours watching because I love learning how to do things. But the world's things available to me don't give me near the strength that Christ does. I can accomplish all things. And, and may I say, I'm going to try to move on. We're going to get the, the points. Be done. All right. But I can do all things through Christ. May I tell you? What that pertains to more than anything else, it's not, you know, well, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to, I know, Miss, uh, you're down here right now, uh, Miss, Miss Sandy runs marathons. Why anybody wants to run that much, I don't know, but she, lo- she loves running, and, uh, and, and, but she runs those marathons and everything, but, but here, here's the thing. When it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, you can, Miss Sandy, you, you can tell yourself every time you, you go, you face your next big obstacle that you've never done before, and you can say, I, I can do all things through Christ. And that's wonderful, and that's good. That's not a bad application, but that's not the full actual application of that passage. The real application of that passage, the real understanding of that passage is, I can do the hard things. Not in myself, but I am capable of doing that which seems impossible to handle. I can, and, and just have to forgive me, it's where the Lord's leading, um, Miss Dawn. I can face the possible loss. when the world would fall apart and say, this is not fair! I can face the loss. And I can do it without bitterness. Because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I can face losing a job. When I did nothing wrong, I can't figure out what happened. I tried to be the best person I could on the job. I can face being let go and have to figure out, what, Lord, what am I going to do? I can, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's dealing with the ability of me as a human being doing that which is not natural or that which is not normal for a human being to do in how I face and how I react and how I deal with the situations. I can do all things through Christ. He gives me the strength to do that which would normally be impossible to do. And here's the thing, our love for God himself, the one who redeemed us from condemnation, is the means to the end of my strength being visible my doings 
being visible for his love. Here's a, I'll give you these three things. We're done. I can't even, I'm not even going to take to all the passages of Scripture. I'll just let, if you're writing down notes, you write them down. What does my love for God do? If I love him with all my strength, with everything I do, with all my action that everybody gets to witness, what does my love actually do when it comes to my love for God? It affects me in what way? Well, in my doings, ultimately, love does affect what I do. Uh, you just write down this passage. 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 through 23. I'm not going to turn there, but write down uh, that passage. Go back and visit that passage uh, in, in light of this thought. But love affects what I do. If I love him with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. I love him as he deserves to be loved. It changes what I do. We ought to look at life uh, through God's uh, shaded glasses, through, through his way of viewing things, because our love for him won't allow anything else. I must look at life according to God's plan. I must look at life according to God's design. I must look at life according to God's will. And I may not understand every aspect of what's going on, but if I can look and say I still serve a God who is still capable of handling anything. He is a God that is fully in control of everything. And because I love him, I can trust him. And all that I do is affected because of my love for him. First uh, John 4, 20 and 21 it says, if a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. I, I love John. He was so kind. He really was. John, John was a, if you want to put it this way, John was the sweetheart uh, of, of the apostles. He, he was the, the, the one that was the beloved. I mean, he was that guy who was always there, always kind. As a matter of fact, whenever you see anything written by John, you're going to find a whole bunch about love, genuine love. But he wasn't a sissy. Because he said, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. Oh, you don't, you don't love your brother? And yet you say you love God? Liar. Well, that's rough. Goes on, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment we have, uh, have we from him, that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. Listen, if you don't love the brethren, but you, love, you say you love God, the two things don't actually correspond with each other. They don't correlate. Yeah, I love God, but I hate them. But they're saved individuals, their brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah, I just can't stand them. I hate their guts. But aren't you supposed to love God? Oh, I do love God. I just can't stand them. But here's the thing. If I love, if I love God, I love all things that pertain to him. Doesn't mean I have to like somebody that much, but I can still love them. Uh, just like husband and wife, right? Husbands and wives. You love each other, you don't always like each other. Right? Oh, come on now. Y'all, at least smile and let me know that I'm, I, I have some agreement out there, all right? I've been married for 21 years. I know better. 
I know enough. Uh, my wife typically, we're not matching today. We're, are, are we matching today? We're not matching today. A little bit. I'll take it. She told me a long time ago, because many times she'll lay out, not always, but many times she'll, she'll lay out clothes. When she's getting hers, she'll get some of her man. A lot of times she'll match us. And she told me a while back, a good, many, many years ago, every time I match, it's because I love you and I like you and I want to match together. And when we don't, <laughs> draw your own conclusion, all right? I still love you, but um, I don't want to match you. And so <laughs> she, she says things without saying things, right? So we know how that is, but here's the thing. Just because we may not be able to work with somebody as well as we can others doesn't mean that we stop loving them. We always love the brethren because if we love God, the love of the brethren is natural to a child of God. And that love should be shown. We should in honor prefer one another, the Bible says. Preferring the brethren over anything else. Preferring being with the brethren over anything else. I, des- I enjoy being with God's people. As they, say, they said for many years, it's kind of a big thing for a while there, you my peeps. But I enjoy being with God. Listen, I don't really have many people outside the church. You say, well, you're the preacher. Of course you don't. Yeah, I know a lot of preachers who can still have a lot of people outside the church that have nothing to do with the church. I'm friendly with other people. people. I meet other people. Uh, I have acquaintances, but I have no one that I'm closer to than God's people. It's just natural to want to be around God's people. Love for God affects what I do very quickly. Love for God affects how I do what I do. This is deep stuff. Love for God affects what I do. Love for God affects how I do what I do. Love affects the way in which I do the things that I do each day. And the way I feel about the things I do after they're done. My love for God affects it all. Uh, Philippians 4.13 was the statement we say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. By the way, that sound mind also is equivalent to the understanding of a clean conscience. God can give me a clean conscience. Why? Because my love for him affects how I do what I do. The, the end doesn't always justify the means. Hey, child of God, let's just, be, let's just be brutally honest. If you're a child of God, if you have to trick, manipulate, and alter things to make it turn out your way, that's not becoming of a child of God. If you have to be deceptive in order to get things done the way you think it needs to be done, that's not becoming of a child of God. To deceive people, by the way, did God deceive anyone? No. Who does deception? Our enemy. Satan. So for me as a child of God, to seek to deceive others, to get the benefit I'm looking for, means that I'm a child of God working the way the devil works. That's going to help people a lot. They're really going to want what I have when they look and say, listen, when they look and say, yeah, yeah, they do a lot of good stuff. It's not necessarily what they do, it's how they do it that I got a problem with. It is a shame if a child of God is known as the one you can't trust. 
It's a shame when someone claims to be a child of God. I know where I'm headed because Christ has forgiven me of my sin. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. And yet, in this life and on this earth, nobody wants to work with us. Nobody wants to trust us. Nobody wants to buy anything from you because they know that you probably did something. I'm going to sell a car. Nobody wants to buy a car from you. Because they know you've done everything to make it look good, but it, you know, after they buy it from you, it's probably going to break down. That's what you're known for. By the way, testimony says a lot. What we are known for. Sometimes it's not the process of what we're trying to accomplish that's the problem. It's how we're going about it that causes people to say, if that's a Christian, no thank you. Love for God, my love for him, all my strength is how I should love him, meaning everything I do So my love for him should be reflective in how I do what I do. And lastly, love affects why. It affects what, it affects how, and it affects the why. Love affects why I do what I do. 1 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. Because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So I, I can't live on them. Hey, what? Know ye not that you, your body is a temple of the of living God? Hey, know ye not that you have been bought with a price? You're not your own. You're been bought. You've been redeemed. You used to be able to live for yourself, but now as a child of God, it, living for myself is not the focus any longer. It's living for him. It's not about people seeing me. It's about people seeing Christ through me. All of a sudden, I got saved. I received Christ as my Savior. I become a child of God, and I'm supposed to become invisible. Does that make sense? To the world, no. The world's always trying to Put yourself out there, put yourself out there, put yourself out, you know, hey, you know, get yourself in a position where you can be lifted up. That's the goal of the world. Make sure people see you, see you, see you. Everybody loves to win trophies and awards because they get seen. See, by the way, the child of God, my main goal should not to be, uh, be of the mindset to be seen. It should be that Christ is seen. I'm supposed to be invisible now. When they see me, they are to see him. It is what I do, it is how I do, and it is why I do all that I do. Because I am to love the Lord my God with all my heart, that's where it begins, with all my uh, soul, and that, that, is, that is my being. It's everything in me. Boy, there's nothing for myself. It's all for him. I'm to love him with, Lord, send me anywhere I'll go. That's, that's the whole soul of me. Lord, I am yours. And I was to serve him with awe and love him with all my mind. Boy, everything stayed on him. Everything focused on him. Everything asking, Lord, what do you want? Show me where you want because I want my mind to be fixed It's fixed, my heart, me, my soul, my mind, everything's fixed. And through that, it is to be with all my strength. He is the reason for what I do. He is the reason for how I do it. He is the reason 
for why I do it. You Christians are so weird. If I'm weird and I'm strange and I'm odd, it's all for him. Because there's no one I love more than the one who proved his love for me. I did not love him first. He first loved me. I did not seek for him, but he sought for me. He placed the conviction in my heart that I needed him. And he placed a desire in my heart to come to him. And all I had to do was obey it. And when I obeyed that conviction and that desire, knowing that is salvation, forgiveness, being right with God, being able to live with him in eternity is all settled on him. And all that it requires from me is my obedience to turn to him and invite him to be my savior in complete repentance of the sin that I'm condemned in. At that point now, my life is no longer for me. My everyday work, my everyday operation, my everyday me is to show how much I love him. That's what draws people to Christ. He said, and I, if I be lifted up, will draw all men. He was speaking of the cross, but may I say, we every day, when we move ourselves out of the way and we become invisible, but we lift him up through my actions through my life, through my testimony. When he gets lifted up, and they don't see me, but I'm hid behind the cross of Christ, and they see him, then they see what they need. They see me, and they see what they don't want. They see him, and they see what they're missing. My love constrains me to do what I do, to do how I do it, and to do it for the reasons, the why of doing it. It is my motivation. It is what pushes me. And may I say it's what pushed the apostles as well. Peter and John both said when they were told to stop speaking in his name. In Acts 4.20, here was their answer. We, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We can't help it. We have to speak what we've seen and heard. Why? Because they loved him. They must speak of him. He must be reflected his light must be seen and shown through my life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you for the truth.